ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Okay, time for some vulnerability here. This year, I've been really struggling with fatigue. I had a trip to New York booked in the middle of the year, but I was worried if I even had the energy for it. But I went anyway, and I'm so glad I did, because I met someone there who changed everything for me. When I was in the university, I began to teach Qigong. And one day, Bob Hawke was visiting my island. He said, Robert, actually, I have requests to see whether you can help me. More from that special guest later. So after this trip, I felt like a new woman. And as I sat on the plane flying home, I got thinking, how can we better manage our energy at work so that we end the day with as much energy as when we started? And what can we do when we realise someone at work is actually taking our energy? I've got a term that I really like, and it's workplace energy vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrific. (laughs) I'm Lisa Leong, and for this episode of This Working Life, how to detect a workplace energy vampire, how you might replenish your energy, and what to do if you're the energy sucker yourself. I think it's really important to check in. We talk about sort of your petrol tank, your battery, you know, where is it at the moment? You're 50, you're 75, you know, where where are you up to? That's Associate Professor Anya Johnson. And I'm at the University of Sydney Business School. I want to start off on a positive note. So colleagues, when you um, work with them, you have a positive relationship, uh, they can definitely give you energy. What role do you think colleagues do play in us feeling more enthusiastic and purposeful at work, Anya? Oh, this is the million dollar question because people, I think, just don't appreciate how important a social environment is at work. You know, we talk about social capital in organisations and that's really, when we talk about that, what we mean is the sort of social infrastructure because you you can buy the buildings, you can buy your talent, if you like, your knowledge, but the magic happens when people work together and feel enthusiastic and purposeful and just get energised because it's fun. It's fun. It's inspiring. You know, sometimes it's hard yakka, but you just know that you're doing it because you want to be part of this bigger purpose. Now, I'm feeling all warm and fuzzy, but I'm going (laughs) to flip it here. It can go the other way. And I've got a term that I really like, and it's workplace energy vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrific. (laughs) I love that. Yes, of course. It's not all beer and Skittles out there. And look, in work, every aspect of work has demands. And there are times when you do have to work with colleagues that you don't feel as warm towards, or you find that you're just having to manage your interactions with them in a way that means that you don't really enjoy it. And that you feel, perhaps you're feeling that you're contributing more to the work that you're doing together. Perhaps you feel that they are just not very appreciative of what you're doing. You're just not getting the energy from that person. And in fact, it becomes quite draining. So it actually is reducing the resources you have at work to be able to function effectively. 
What's really happening there, do you think, Anya, this feeling of, you know, energy vampire for me is you come away from an interaction feeling depleted rather than energised. So how would you define energy vampire? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good question. Uh, So I guess it's someone who, when you're with them, you feel that they are preventing you from really engaging purposefully in the work that you're doing. That becomes depleting because you feel they're doing a lot of taking but not giving much. And it's often often a lot of uh, what we might describe as microaggression. So it's when someone is not there's not bullying. It's not sort of really anything you could pin down, but it just doesn't feel like they're really putting effort in to to what they're trying to do. Are there other telltale signs of an energy vampire? So I I think paying attention to how you're feeling is a really good clue uh, as to whether or not you're working with someone who is depleting your energy. And being aware of how you're Uh, regulating your emotions and what you're doing with your own emotions will give you clues and and just to to start to be aware of how you experience work with different colleagues because that can tell you who are your energy givers, who who brings you joy when you work and who doesn't. And I guess I'd also be a little bit cautious because sometimes people can just be having a bad day. Mm. Sometimes they can be having a bad experience or, or dealing with a really difficult situation at work or at home. And you need to be careful not to over-categorise. But if the behaviour is very persistent, it's with other people that you know, and it is across different situations, then you can start to, I think, be more confident that this is about the person and not the situation they're currently in. Can I pick you up on that point then? Is it a particular type of person or is it the situation where it's just you and the other person and maybe you don't match? Yeah, I, I think I, I'm always very reluctant to say it's the person mm. uh, because it's never a person in isolation. It's always in combination with other factors and you're part of it. Yeah. So maybe you're not the good fit with them and clearly you feel the same way. So it's a bit of a mix and I think we do need to be sensitive. Given a different role, given a different context, that person could thrive. So it's really important to recognise perhaps when a relationship's not working well, to be thinking about your role in that relationship as well and then also considering that maybe this is just a not, not a good fit and not that that person is evil (laughs) and (laughs) deliberately. (laughs) And I think, you know, be very cautious. Like, I don't think you should go around the office saying, you're an energy vampire, (laughs) right? I don't think that's helpful. I also have a rule that I do ask myself, how might I be contributing to this problem? How might, you know, what what energy am I bringing into this as well, just to make sure that we're not trapped into a labelling of it's the other person's problem as well. So how might we address this? What might we do? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's important uh, to recognise, you know, that you can play a role in this. And I think having a little check-in 
with that person, particularly if you do have to work with them and you're going to work with them over time, then it's really worthwhile trying to have a few little mini interventions. And that can be as simple as having a difficult conversation with them. Oh, um, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's what important. What would we possibly say, Anya? Help me now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just I think sitting down with someone and, and, and maybe starting it with a really open-ended inquiry and just saying, I've noticed you seem really flat, really, you know, low in energy and you don't seem to have much enthusiasm at the moment. Is everything okay? So really starting with a genuine intention to ask them how they're going. So rather than, why so grumpy? You are, exactly. <laughs> and hey, you're really killing the, the joy for me, you know. So it's, it's less about, you know, it's, I've noticed. So I've noticed something about you and I, I genuinely want to understand, you know, how things are for you and whether there's things I can be um, helping in terms of the way that we're working together. And then they might say, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then you move along quickly. <laughs> no, I think you need to take it a little bit further and just say, well, I noticed, for example, in the meeting that we've just had uh, that, you know, you seem to be shutting everybody down. So when Joe said, you know, I think it would be a great idea if we could try this, you kind of shut it down really quickly. And I think for Joe, that, that actually was... He was so enthusiastic and, and it really made him very flat for the rest of the meeting. What if you've worked with this person for 20 years and it is not a transient thing that they, whenever you meet with them, you know, you just get these feelings of energy depletion and they possibly are an energy vampire. What can you do then rather than sort of wearing um, a necklace of garlic? Around. Mm, <laughs> for the yes. energy vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that certainly evokes a, a great vision. Yeah, I think then really you sort of, you know that you're trapped into a situation which is not going to resolve uh, and certainly not going to resolve with a few difficult conversations because this is a, a long-term problem. Uh, and then I think really you probably do need to go into protection mode. I don't recommend garlic necessarily, <laughs> but, you know, just finding strategies strategies that will help you navigate that relationship. Uh, so whether it means putting some boundaries around it, whether it means, you know, finding specific ways of interacting. So for ex I'll give you another example. If somebody regularly sends you feedback on something saying, I think you should do X, Y, and Z, mm. and you feel like, well, you could have done that and passed it on and then we could have all moved on, you know, it's sort of not always accepting that, um, but that rather sending it back and saying, I think they're great ideas. Can you have a first go? So mm. just starting to be a little more assertive and, and seeing what works, what doesn't work so well, and just finding ways. And, and I think this is important because if you just keep taking it, it actually starts to affect your own integrity and your own sense of self and purpose at, in the workplace. So you need to protect yourself so that you've got the capacity and capability to keep working. There might be certain personality types that actually fall into a category where it is rather permanent and you might want to avoid them. What might this type be? Well, we, we talk sometimes about the dark triad 
Uh, and that's really a grouping of, of three personality types. Uh, we call broadly, we describe them. And, and this is within the workplace. So it's not, it's not clinical, but sociopaths, psychopaths and, and Machiavellian personality types. And these are all slightly different. But what they suggest is that somebody has a particular uh, way of working that is very, f- that's a little fundamentally different to the way most people work. And often people who have some elements of the dark triad are very charismatic, can be very charming at work, and in fact are often rather successful, (laughs) which is always a worry. Uh, So you might work for someone who has elements of of the, the dark triad, and you might actually find that there are just people who are chronically difficult to work with. Mm. And in those cases, you know, particularly when you're having to work with them closely, you have to navigate that very carefully because there will be a series of people who have burnt themselves out through their careers trying to manage that person and trying to manage relationships with that person. And often we find that that person may have, if I can use the the metaphor of kicking a can down the road, you know, other people have tried to manage that situation and not been successful and they've simply continued on uh, and everybody is in avoidance mode. So in those situations, I think it's important to find strategies that you can use and they may be that if the person sends you a five-page rant in an email, that you don't respond immediately, that you allow 24 hours, 48 hours, and then respond in a very clear, calm, objective way. You don't want to be fighting fire with fire. You don't want to be reacting to everything that they're doing. We sometimes describe this as going to the balcony. You know, you, you you do a little time out. You just take yourself out. You don't react. You don't respond. You don't instantly kind of get sucked into uh, perhaps the manipulations that might be going on. At what point is it too much? It's a very good question. I think if it's sustained over weeks or even months, you should bring other people into the conversation. So what can you do to preserve your energy and make sure you're not being an energy vampire? That's coming up. But first, I'd like you to meet someone. All these kind of practices to build up my chi. This is Robert Peng. He's a world-renowned Qigong master and healer. And I met him on my trip to New York to learn about how we can master our energy. He calls energy chi. When I was in university, I began to teach Qigong. Then I began to move to Hainan Island to teach it like more professionally. And then I have quite a lot of visitors. And one day Bob Hawke was visiting my island and then he was hosted by our governor. They have the banquet and everything. Then he, he looked at it a little bit crippling. Then the, the governor said, what happened? I said, oh, my, I, made, I played golf and hurt myself. <laughs> Then the governor said, oh, maybe you should have a Qigong session. I said, what's the Qigong? Then he said, well, I'll bring you there. The governor is my patient friend. So he brought Bob Hawke there and did the treatment. Of course, he couldn't believe it. Yeah. After the treatment, he said, Robert, actually, I have requests to see whether you can help me. Can you help my daughter? That's Sue, Sue Hawke. She had chronic fatigue syndrome for... I think at that time, about seven years, yeah, he said, it's very suffering. 
Well, to tell the truth, I've never heard this name, chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, but well, after I hear this symptom, I said, "Well, let's try." Then the second year, this '94, he flew Suhok to Island Island. So we did the whole month treatment, and I trained her different Qigong practice, and she's fully recovered. And now you're based in New York, but I want to look at Qigong and work. Often we come to work and we're feeling okay, but by the end of the day, Robert, we're depleted, you know, something stressful happens to us and we lose our energy and we lose our happiness. So how can Qigong help us at work? That's a very good question. <laughs> yeah, because I know, because I, I did a few, like, retreat and workshops with the corporate world. I know how tough they are, especially when you're working. Because I did both. One is retreat. They have, you know, they have their uh, managers coming in for the brainstorming, which is beautiful. They have relaxed mood already. Another is that they want to know whether they can do something when they're working. Because... Time commitment, stress, and also difficulties dealing with the, the clients, whatever. So it's all built up. Then they make them really not breathing. You know, when we're stressed, we hold our breath, then lock our shoulders. That is the garden position, fighting position, which is good. But they fight, they're doing this all the time. So if during these hours, no matter seven hours, eight hours, six hours you work, if you bring awareness to your breathing, to uh, your releasing of the tensions from the shoulders, then you can make a huge difference. You make a couple of them, then at the end of the day, you may still smile with refreshness. <laughs> right, so breathing and releasing on the shoulders can be a very good exercise for the corporate world. Short, just even less than one minute, you can do it. So a good way is that you shrug your shoulders when you inhale. Then for sure, you are tensed. Yeah, let's do that. Inhale, shrug your shoulders. Then when you exhale, you sigh out. Yeah, then drop your shoulders and allow your arms hanging by the side. Do two or three of this. You can feel all your body and your mind, especially in the foggy mind, can be refreshed. Yeah, it can be right. Because the stress on the shoulders, they squeeze the energy channel along the spine, along the neck. Then you, your head is short of energy and blood. This simple breathing and releasing from the shoulder stress can give you another pump or gas <laughs> for your uh, working car, all right, then you're refreshed. Then you don't get cranky, you don't have foggy mind, you have better patience and clear mind to deal with things. And uh, one or two times during the day, it's more of the awareness of your breathing, awareness of your conditions. As soon as you pay awareness to there, you make the change. Let's return now to Associate Professor Anya Johnson from Sydney University's Business School. Somebody might be listening and they might be thinking, do you know what? I have never experienced an energy vampire. Are they the energy vampire then? 
<laughs> no, I, th- I think I think if you are worried that you might be, then perhaps some of the things to look out for is whether people jump at the opportunity to work with you. If there's a project and everybody else has put their hand up and you haven't, then that may be a symptom that you're not actually contributing as much as you could be. But it's also not to become oversensitive. I mean, you don't have to be invited to every lunch. You don't have to be at every occasion or or on every project. In fact, it's really important to be careful with your time and energy so that when you are doing things that you have have what it takes um, to actually, you know, complete tasks. Oh, you've hit on something here about this feeling of wanting to be asked to be part of everything Mm. because it means that I'm useful and I'm valued at work, but then of course I'm going to be burnt out down the track. So how do we navigate this? Yeah, I think it's really important to recognise that you may be doing too much social comparison at work and to be a little careful because there are times when your colleagues need to have a conversation about something that's completely unrelated to the work you're doing or and that sense of you know why are they not including me or why am I being left off or left out it's important to I think recognize those feelings and really question yourself. Did I need to be involved in that? Um, Was it important? If I'm feeling a bit lonely or that I'm perhaps a little bit out of the loop, maybe extend an invitation the following week and say, I'd love to have lunch one day. Can we do that maybe in a couple of weeks time? So start to build relationships rather than sit with that feeling that you're being excluded. Try to be a little more proactive, but also check how sensitive you're being and whether that's a realistic uh, expectation. I always find when I'm in a, a low point, I'm kind of the last person to know. So we were joking about you being, you know, the energy vampire yourself. But, uh, you know, there are times when we are low in energy. How do we get ourselves out? So I think it's it's a really good point. Uh, and, you know, I think having good relationships at work and having someone that you really trust and you feel really comfortable with and just having the relationship with them where they can tap you on the shoulder and say, wow, you seem really flat. You're kind of killing the vibe here. (laughs) (laughs) Someone you trust who can say that to you and you're going, okay, I think I need to take a break and, you know, recognize that and, and be that buddy that also cause it out when you've got a friend that you can see it in. So that's one thing, noticing, taking a break, consciously working through how you get that energy back. But then I think also giving yourself permission to do the tasks that don't require a lot of energy, all of those things, those administrative things, you know, doing that mandatory training you've been putting off for months. You know, just How did thinking, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But yeah, so, you know, just really, really giving yourself permission to spend the afternoon just doing things that you know have don't require a lot of engagement or energy, putting it down at the end of the day, going home, really giving yourself a proper break and thinking about how you're coming to work in the morning. Before you go, we love our practical takeaways. Can you give us some things that we can do to 
maintain our energy at work and and bring that beautiful energy to the work as much as possible. Yeah. I think there's a few things. One is do take regular breaks. We underestimate just how much benefit we get from standing up, walking around, going for that cup of coffee, just having that regular mental break, even if it's only a minute or two every hour. And then the other, I think, side to this is be more mindful around how your relationships are going at work and how you're investing in those relationships. Don't take it for granted that they'll be there. You do need to invest and and to consider other people. And then notice your own patterns of energy. You know, when are you feeling energized? Who is it with? What part of the day is it? And then plan around that time and think about how you use the downtime to do things that are perhaps require less energy. Thank you so much, Anya. Pleasure. Thanks to my guests, Associate Professor Anya Johnson from Sydney University and Qigong Master Robert Peng. And if you'd like to hear more about my routines and practices that help me with my energy, follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram, and I'd love to hear yours. I'm Lisa Leong. Thanks for listening to This Working Life. It's produced by Zoe Ferguson and mixed by Matthew Crawford. (laughs) Our excellent vampire voiceover artist. (laughs) This episode was produced on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And if you want to hear more about the dark triad that Anya talked about, listen to our episode on how to recognise and transform a destructive leader. We'll put it in the show notes for you. Until next time, work it, baby. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.